Joe Budden kind of hit a nerve talking about this album. And I agree, like, the shit was ass. Like, it was a double pack of ass. It wasn't like, I'm not running back to this album at all. Yo, it's Cushion Boy South 706. This is KTSCF podcast where we don't do nothing, we just kick it. Uh, right now, it's just me and Marcus. Uh, Mr. Savage is on a spiritual journey, so shout out to him. And uh, El Chapa is out there, uh, you know, sun's out, fun's out, you know, getting lit, smoking hookah, you know, doing the wild Puerto Rican Dominican lifestyle. So shout out to her. Anything happened to me this week? And not really. What about yourself? Just uh, watching uh, NFL fan bases lose their mind over the draft. Like, you don't know what you got. You don't know if these players are good yet. And the NFL draft is bad TV. I didn't watch a second of the draft. Like, I mean, I don't have cable, so I definitely watched a second of the draft. <laughs> so it's just not good TV. Right? It's, n- it's not good TV, and I don't think it's been good, de- good TV ever, honestly. Because like, we've, we've known since the Jaguars were locked in at the number one pick who the top pick was going to be. And they still took the entire 10 minutes to pick Trevor Lawrence. Same thing happened with the Jets. Like, there used to be a time where you could sign the number one overall pick before the draft just to keep things moving. But, I mean, the NFL knows what it's doing. They know that people gravitate towards this stuff and they want to watch all this stuff. Like, this did – this year's draft did better numbers than the finals last year, the NBA finals with Lakers and – it's like 12 million viewers, but – it's it's dumb. Like I, I spent my time watching um uh streams. Like I watched the Nation Report stream. They did a stream on the draft. I watched that. I know uh, like the Pat McAfee show had a stream, uh Pro Football Focus had a stream, I think ESPN people had a stream. Like the actual draft itself is terrible TV. It's the worst. It's not entertaining. I don't know why people watch it. Well, the it had the opportunity to be entertaining as before was it the the day of the draft, the day before the draft, Aaron Rodgers decided to drop a bomb um, on the NFL. <laughs> he didn't want to go back to his team. And uh, I was looking for all the tweets telling him to uh, honor his contract, be a team player. He signed stop a contract. He, yeah, stop being selfish. All those uh, narratives that go to uh, other players that may or may not like to be nasty in masseuse parlors. But, I mean, I, I didn't see that same level of vitriol, maybe because he's Aaron Rodgers and he's, you know, been an MVP and a champion, but I like to see them keep that same energy. Like I, I didn't see that narrative at all. Like maybe I missed it, but yeah, there, there was a lot of, uh, he definitely shook the news cycle. I thought it was going to have a bigger impact on the draft than it would, but I guess everybody was like, nah, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. But allegedly he's at to the point where he's like, Hey, I might just retire. Like, I'm not going to come back and play for you. That like, would be that's crazy. This, this situation has gotten, I'm like, damn, dog, like, like, like I'm not, your yeah, family don't good. like you. Your team don't like you. Like, I mean, they like him on Jeopardy, apparently, but like, that's about the only place Aaron Rodgers is liked. And I think that might just be like low key, some white privilege stuff. But that's neither here nor there. But I mean, yeah, you can't be this hated everywhere and then just be like the man on Jeopardy. So, but yeah, he says he might retire. So I'm I'm curious on if that's actually going to happen. Like, will he pull like a Carson Palmer? Because I mean, he has nothing to lose. He's rich. He has a title. Yeah, what else does he have to prove? Yeah, he's won MVPs, won a Super Bowl. Like, if he retired right now, people would have them have him in his top five. But that 
I, I read something about if he were to retire because of how much he's been paid and like bonuses and stuff, he would owe the Packers $25 million. So unless the Packers plan on letting him keep that money, I don't think he's retiring. But I, if I'm who am I? If I'm the if I'm the Broncos, I'm sick right now. Cause like two days ago, you traded for Teddy Bridgewater. And then the next day, Justin Fields falls in a draft and you pass up on him. And now Aaron Rodgers is talking about I want to leave. Like any of those two options are better than Teddy Bridgewater. And I like I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a fine quarterback, but if you could have got just you could have had Justin Fields and you could have had a shot to get Aaron Rodgers. Like what the Broncos had a top ten pick in the draft? The Packers would have took that for Aaron Rodgers and maybe something else. They they would have taken that. And you just ride it out with Jordan Love and hope he's good. But whatever. What do I know? Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like you said, the twenty five million dollars. Like I know he's got paper, but I mean, even if you got it, twenty five million will be like, nah, bro. That's like to write a check. So, yeah, there's a lot of Falcons fans uh, upset that the Falcons didn't draft uh, Justin Fields. And I get it. I mean, I guess uh, Arthur Smith is going all in. He has, like, the utmost faith in Matt Ryan. But, again, I am kind of glad that the Panthers passed on him because I would hate for him to torch us for the next, like, decade. So, if you didn't know, Justin Fields went to the Bears at the 11th pick. And I I hope for all the best for him. Uh, They said that the Bears haven't had a good quarterback in like 70 years, like a legitimate quarterback. Jay Cutler was a bit overrated in his time there. Um, but the Bears got a pretty good defense. I'm not sure what their offensive weapons are looking like, but Justin Fields is an offensive weapon within himself. So, again, I mean, I guess strictly for the, the people that were hating him, specifically Josh, I hope that he is very successful in his campaign as a Bears quarterback. So I want to see the young black quarterback succeed. So All he, all he has to do is beat out Andy Dalton. So – I feel like Justin Fields should be able to do that and handle that pretty nicely. But I'm like I was I was looking through all the uh, drafts drafts as far as like quarterbacks goes and like people always say like if you're in a position to draft a quarterback in the top five or in the top ten you have to do it. The success rate for that is not. I, and I only went back. I only went far back as 2014. So like, how many of those quarterbacks in the last like six years are you just like? Yeah, that guy is going to continually lead his team that drafted him to the playoffs and potentially win the Super Bowl. And I'm talking about quarterbacks drafted in the top five. Like, do you feel good about Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, who just got traded, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who got traded last year, Jared Goff just got traded, traded, Carson Wentz just got traded, Jameis Winston is fighting for a spot in the league, Marcus Mariota, same thing Blake Bortles is out of the league like these are quarterbacks that are all taken in the top five and like maybe Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa turn out to be something Baker Mayfield is Mr. Tua Tungavailoa because now they're kind of having revisionist history and kind of comparing him to Mac Jones where it's like yeah he was great when he was throwing the first round picks (laughs) yeah so I'm curious to see how Mac Jones actually does with the Patriots and I'm gonna say this right now it's if under any circumstance he beats out Cam Newton, like the NFL's and racism campaign was bullshit. Like there's yeah, absolutely no in no world where that guy beats out Cam Newton. I, I don't I don't care. Pull up the stats you want, it's not happening. I don't care if I Cam tell, Newton's so. I can tell by the way that man walked that he's not gonna beat out Cam Newton. That man <laughs> hips McGee over there, like he needed to go ahead and chill out. He ain't beating out Cam Newton. Not the first year. I know that's for sure. But like 
if you even look through all those years, if you look at the quarterbacks that were drafted outside of the top five, like I like Justin Herbert. I, I like Justin Herbert more than I like Tua and Joe Burrow. Uh, Daniel Jones, we're not going to do him. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Sean Watson, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, Derek Carr. Yeah, if you are in the top five, you usually should take a quarterback, but let's not act like it's a guarantee like, hey, we have our quarterback. We got our top five quarterback. We are going to be okay. I think the last one where you can actually say that for is probably Carson Wentz, and he got hurt. Like, he would have won that Super Bowl anyway if he didn't get hurt, but – He probably would have won the MVP that year, too. He was yeah. balling. He would have won MVP, too. I mean, Jared Goff was able to get to the Super Bowl. I don't. I wouldn't say he was a reason, but, like, I'm looking at these quarterbacks. So do we automatically just assume, like, hey, the Jaguars, they drafted Trevor Lawrence. They're going to be a perennial playoff contender, and they're going to make the Super Bowl eventually. Or he's going to be a top-10 quarterback. Same thing with Trey Lance. Like, I feel really good about Trey Lance because he's in a great situation. But do I feel like if you had to bet who's going to have the better career between Justin Fields, who plays for the Bears, which is a better team and a better roster, or the Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, who has historically been bad for a long time, or even Zach Wilson. I I feel bad for him. He's not going to make it. I'm sorry. That you saw the video like, in front of the, with the black players looking mad, <laughs> disgusted. Like, I don't, I don't know what the, the makeup of BYU's roster is. I mean, I know most like sports teams are feature a lot of uh, black athletes, but he looked very uncomfortable, <laughs> extremely uncomfortable around uh, some uh, young, future, rich African-Americans having fun, maybe throwing up some signs of their, their home homelands, their hometowns, their home cities. He looked very uncomfortable. <laughs> B- BYU is a Mormon school. <laughs> so <laughs> that should tell you all you need to know about him. They suspended a kid for sleeping with his girlfriend on the basketball team like four years ago. Yeah, I saw that. So yeah. He, and we saw the we saw the tweets too. So yeah, yeah you know, he'd have, he probably would have been a better fit for uh, the 49ers. Him and uh, Mr. Bosa would have been great friends. Got a lot of common, you know, <laughs> in between the lines. <laughs> Check out the delete, deleted tweets. Deleted so. tweets. Deleted tweets live forever, <laughs> apparently. Delete tweets don't mean shit. So, oh, look who it is. What up, Rev? Oh, oh. <laughs> Gang. In here like swimwear. I got ice cream all my fingers. <laughs> Rev just got cut out here in 4K. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Ah, so I guess we get your takes on the draft real quick. Or are you still getting set up? My takes on the draft? Sure. I have no takes on the draft because I refuse to let the NFL steal my joy. So <laughs> I have zero takes on the draft. Congratulations to Kyle Pitt. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun in Atlanta. <laughs> I guess, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get our uh, – well, with the Aaron Rodgers side, though. Actually, let's do let's do the Aaron Rodgers and uh, Demon Time Deshaun Watson saga. Which player is more likely to not be on their team by time? Let's say the beginning of the season. Aaron Rodgers over Demon Time Deshaun. Yeah, I think Deshaun. Not that I'm saying Deshaun will be fine. I'm just saying I think Deshaun has more time to answer for his crimes than Aaron Rodgers has time to love the Green Bay Packers again. So. I mean, I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson is innocent or anything, 
but I don't I don't view this as a career ending situation right. for him unless he goes to jail. And even with that, even if he does go to jail, I'm still not convinced that he can't come back and play in the NFL again. Like I I don't see it. Like I've seen I've seen what Ben Roethlisberger did in the videos of him out there and what he did down with his time in Georgia. And he's still out here playing. He's been playing for 17, almost 20 years. I saw Michael Vick come back and play in the NFL and get another $100 million contract. <laughs> like, I don't see Deshaun Watson just being out the league just for good. Like, I don't – I cannot – no, I just mean, like, who's going to be on the team? I just don't – I don't I see the Houston, um yeah, I don't I don't see I was about to call them the Houston Rockets, Jesus. Um and I still can't get their name out. <laughs> I don't think Houston will the Texans. I don't think they'll um yeah, this doesn't seem like something they'll they'll part ways with him, you know, before the end of the season. Not quick and even if they do part ways before the end of the season, I just think Aaron Rodgers will be gone first. Like this isn't – we've seen before that the NFL has no problem with people who have committed alleged crimes because we don't know whether, you know, Deshaun Watson is guilty or not. So alleged, allegedly he has done this thing, and people have done far worse allegedly just earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this year, maybe late last year, we saw a guy, you know, kind of still have a little bit of a career after choking his girlfriend out and telling her, oh, snap, I thought you had died. So – there's not much that the NFL is willing gone, to man. push for. He was here. gone. I mean, he's yeah. by then he, um, he, but at the time of the accident, he'd still had a job. So, um, yeah, there's not much that the NFL is willing, willing to punish for. And I think that a guy who was actually actively looking for a way out of situa- situation has more of a chance of being gone from his team than a guy who's, you know, currently under investigation. Yeah, so I guess one of the things that I'm glad the draft is being over is that I, I can stop seeing people's like terrible takes and uh, predictions. So many bad takes. Like so I saw people. Ah, Don, do I want to call people out? Yes. Uh, call them out. So there's a dude on my Twitter feed named Cam Marino, Marino NFL. He writes for the Falcons Wire, Draft Team Analysis, ATL on Air co-host. Shout out to I guess, but like. I guess this is one of those things where it's like, I guess, like, uh, the draft has become a thing where, like, everybody can be Mel Kiper. Because, like, he tweeted out that telling you, Mac at three, Lance at four, right? And that, that didn't happen. Like, wasn't even close to happening. But then he also said that in the same breath, if Trey Lance is available at four, we'd have took him. And then, if not Kyle Pitts, which was kind of right, but then you just said Mac, like, I don't, I don't know. People just been here saying shit and, like, with their chest out and just, like, putting all these bad takes out here. And I guess, I mean, well, people Mel gets paid millions of dollars to do it, so I, I can't knock your hustle, but it's just, it's, I'm, I'm tired of seeing it. I'm done. No one's going to be held accountable for their picks, though. Like, I don't, like, does anybody know how many guesses Mel Kiper got right for the draft? In his final mock draft, how many of those selections are correct or right? Does anybody care? Or is anybody going to be like, hey, all right, well, the first round is over. Let's look at Mel Kuyper's uh, mock draft and see how it compares to what everybody else did. Like, it doesn't well, matter. Who cares? Maybe, go maybe the- there's some, like, degenerates in Vegas that are, you know, maybe well, people on Twitter, people, 
people on Twitter are doing it. There's people like that aren't in the uh, like mainstream media. They'll do it. But why isn't ESPN doing it? Like you put this mock draft out there. You put out a you put out seven <laughs> mock drafts up until uh, leading up into the draft. Let's see how good you are at your job. I'm, and I'm not saying I'm not saying you like you fire Mel Kiper if he doesn't get a certain percentage right. But at least put it up there. Like, hey, who did you did you have Trey Lance going at three? Did he? But that doesn't wrong. that doesn't benefit anybody. They they at this point, like, no, nah, people would watch that. No, nah, they, they that. would. But like, you're not you don't want to embarrass your own colleagues. Like at this point, they they, they know what they're doing on a daily basis. Yes, <laughs> but they know what they're doing to create content though. Like I know for a fact, and the fans of this team have not realized this, but if any writer or any major Twitter person needs a little bit of clout or a buzz or attention, just say anything about the Falcons. It could be true or false. Just say anything about the Falcons and the Falcons fans will give you all the retweets, all the free I, advertisement you're looking for. And so I they, they know. Not, uh, not Ryan, Ryan Clark did it. Like he said something about like some bad 28 joke with the draft. I was, was like, tired. all right, man. Like, it was so bad and such a force on the 28 to 3 thing. But he said that he tweeted that it was on TV five minutes later. And I'm just like, all right, I see the game now. Like, I get it. Yeah, they, they, and, they know it's, but it's partly, it's partly y'all's fault, though. Because y'all, y'all are one of the fan bases that yeah, gets. I ain't no y'all. Right. Like <laughs> I'm almost at the point where I don't even like tweet about the Falcons no more. Like, I, I'm slowly moving away from, from those people because it's not, it just makes. Twitter a miserable experience for me personally, but uh, real quick though, before we jump off football, shout out to Eric Robinson, who uh, did some pretty good draft analysis. He's been on the uh, Derek Bernays report a couple times. Um, oh, they flamed him that bad, huh? Wow. So um, there was a guy uh, named Real Tannenbaum, who is a ESPN front office insider, who pretty much stole <laughs> verbatim <laughs> Eric Robinson's analysis from his mock draft he did on uh, the safety we signed out of uh, University of Central Florida, uh, Richie Grant. And he got packed up to the point where he deleted the tweet. So, uh, yeah, instead of giving somebody credit for their hard work and analysis, he would rather just delete the tweet. Like, bro, we caught you a 4K. We saw you literally just copied and pasted the shit from this man's article, gave him zero credit, and just roll with it. Like, that's that's ridiculous. So someone with a big... Someone with a bigger platform came and stole something from someone with not as big a platform and used it to their advantage. Yeah, because yeah, uh, if that's the case, if that's the case, if that if that's if that's the case, hold that in your mind because we're gonna come back around to something that happened just like that in a little bit. Oh, okay. Real quick, uh, Mr. Savage is his joint from his hiatus. Looking, <laughs> I can't see what it is. I can't, it's I can't see right. it. Yeah. <laughs> This is right screen. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, uh, that sorry to I haven't. No, it's not yet. I haven't <laughs> eaten a meal in 150 hours. You know, we're still Jesus out here Christ. going strong, doing what we can. I'm trying to see. Yeah, they oh, there we go. In 50 hours. So I, I, I'm trying to use all my energy to just come on and, you know, uh, definitely show support. So, yeah, how's everybody doing? We're doing good. I see that y'all are, you know, happier than the pig and shit out there in uh, the old 904. <laughs> that y'all got Trevor Lawrence, and I like I like the Etnian pick. I was big uh, Etnian Hive guy. I think that's good. Get him some weapons, some familiar faces. You know what I'm saying? His former teammate, and that was 
NFL teammate. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm definitely super excited. I mean, I can't tell y'all. I, I for the past three months, I wake up every day and watch Trevor Lawrence highlights, like just preparing myself uh, for this. I mean, like I think I said last week, being a longtime Jaguar fan and just all the suffering and everything that we went through. Uh, only we haven't been to back to back. We haven't had back to back winning seasons in you know twenty plus years. And just to finally get to that point where it's like, man, you know, this is starting to come together. It's just, it's truly a blessing. Like all the ridicule and everything I received. Oh my God. I just, tears of joy. The the only thing that I saw that was interesting with Trevor Lawrence is that, uh, I wish I could find that tweet. Essentially was saying if the Jacksonville Jaguars for some reason, don't go like 17 and 0. This is going to be the most this is going to be the most recent time in his football career that he has probably lost multiple games in the season. Cuz I think well, actually hold on. He's actually not lost a regular season game since middle school. So yeah, so this That's crazy. Oh I don't know God. what his mental his his mental resiliency is like, but he's going to need it. You know what I'm saying? I I think Urban Meyer is going to create an uh, ecosystem that is Good for him, I guess, because Urban Meyer's been successful everywhere he's gone. But like losing can take a toll on you mentally if that's just something you're not used to, especially when you've been the best guy on the field, like you said, since middle school. So, but maybe he could be one of those guys that can elevate the guys around him, like kind of a LeBron James esque type character. But football is a little different from basketball. So, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm I'm interested, man. I'm I'm be uh, reinvested in uh, the old Jags out there in uh, the 904 even though they're out there thugging these days, but you know, it is what it is. But. I thought there's a lot of teams that I, that I'm gonna be checking in on. Um, Chicago for sure. Chicago gonna be rooting oh, for yeah. uh, um, Justin Fields. And I'm gonna, San Francisco. Yeah, I'm gonna check because I'm curious if he can really just slide in there and make a big impact, or he's gonna have his rookie struggles like most quarterbacks. So. That that would be interesting. You know, the but. one interesting thing about Justin Fields I didn't know that I did read is he actually suffered from epilepsy. And yeah. I'm wondering if that could have been the reason for the slide because, you know, epilepsy can typically cause seizures and it is something to kind of worry about from a health perspective. Well, uh, so. yeah, but see, my problem is, is, A, he's been playing with this forever and it hasn't seemed to be an issue. They even said he possibly grew out of it. And then it came out like two days before the draft. Like they, yeah, they it never, it, it never affected him in college. Like not one time did he ever miss a game, a practice, or a session, anything. I'd never heard anything about this until like two days before the draft. Now it's like, well, Justin Fields, he might have a seizure. Like anybody can have a seizure. You get hit <laughs> one good time, you might have a seizure out here, man. And again, it's it's interesting whose issues they bring up because we clearly saw that there were other quarterbacks that had issues or problematic tweets, and those were not brought up one time. But transitioning, uh, real quick, I know I've been talking about this briefly on every podcast, but I know Marcus sent me the link for the uh, the Joe Bun podcast. I don't know if y'all keep up with that, but. <laughs> I've been a I've been kind of a day one ish learner. Like I kind of stopped when I went to Spotify because I was too lazy to like log in. But once I came back to the free shit, the non login shit that I use, I was like, all right, I'm back with this. So recently, if you don't keep up, there was a huge blow up with him and Rory Amal. They left. There was some beef or whatever, like a whole six week period. 
And then it didn't seem like they were coming back. So he slid in two more co-hosts in the show. The shit was rolling. It was still pretty good. Honestly, didn't miss the other guys. But then they came back. And it was it was interesting, man. I kind of felt like a drama horror because I was like tuned in just to see what happened. But I think it was more or less that it was interesting to see them kind of be transparent. And it still was a bit of a testy conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like everybody had their points. I just think people were misunderstanding people. Like, I think Joe was within his rights to be like, yo, the show's got to go on. I'm paying people. Y'all technically did leave y'all's job, but then he was leaving out details. And then, I don't know. He was getting shit confused, like, oh, Ma, you shouldn't be riding for more for uh, Rory. We've known each other 15 years. It's like, yo, dog, you're confusing. You're confusing two different issues. I'm not riding for him like that. I'm riding for the success of the show. So um, if you like some uh, testy tension drama, uh, definitely go check that out. It was it's a good Joe Budden puts out a great podcast. I, I give him that. Yeah. He's one of he, my favorite podcasters. I, I, I don't listen to the podcast. Like, I don't listen to it regularly. I do. I will watch the videos on YouTube about if they're talking about like a certain album or something I'm interested in. But uh, like like Southbridge was saying, I'm kind of I, I was caught up in the drama, so I was like, you know, let me see how this conversation goes. And it it went okay, but there was one part that kind of stuck out to me when um I guess while they were having an argument, uh, Joe Budden said to Maul like, like the podcast is none of your business, and Maul was like, you don't have any right to say that to me. And Joe Budden was like, well, what does your contract say? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. I was like, oh. That's the part that amazes oh. me about the show, and it's mainly why I don't watch it. There's two reasons I don't watch it. One is I don't care about Joe Budden's opinions. He jacks off his dog. Two. Oh. Um, okay. I don't understand. Let her get a take off. Let her get a take off. There's literally we nothing he can that. say to me that I could care about. Which leads me to two is how these people can allow Joe Budden, the weirdo, to talk to them like that. And it's so strange to me how people can allow Joe Budden to just say anything. And he's like, he's like the the gumball dispenser from, uh, what's the show that used to come on Cartoon Network? Regular the show. Bird and the regular show. He's like that guy. Like he's, he talks in a very level voice. So you think that you're about to get something intelligent. And then he says nothing at all. Or he says something extremely inflammatory. And you're just like, bro, do you, can you fight? Because you talk like you can fight. And I just don't understand why they haven't jumped him on camera yet. Honestly, <laughs> see, that, 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 I don't want to make this a Joe Don't don't make me shoot Joe Button bail, man. Don't make me do this. Uh, okay, don't but it, it's fair to say that. But at the end of the day, like, what is the name of the podcast? It's the Joe Button podcast. It's not the Joe That's and Maul and Rory podcast. So if Joe Button is like, so- "Yo, take a week off," y'all niggas take a week off. If in your contract, if Maul doesn't own any, and they talk about this all the time, this whole ownership and owning your creative and tech whatever if you don't own any part of the joe budden podcast then the joe budden podcast ain't none of your business technically and, and let me jump in for real let me jump. so even then so they were saying ma was like yo i don't care about money or whatever i but don't care about like, contracts but then five minutes later he's like yo you know my brother manages me and we just want to know why we weren't seeing certain information i'm like you just said you didn't care about like the bigger part of it. That's why I about it. it. It's one of those things where it's like two things are true at the same time, which is mostly everything. But yes, Joe Budden is awful and he talks to people with no regard for like, you know, basic emotional intelligence. 
And B, y'all gonna have to sit there and take it. And the fact that y'all sit there and continue to let this man talk to y'all crazy lets me know that you are completely happy being Joe Budden's lapdog and letting him tell you in front of thousands of people, because I don't believe that more than 15,000 people listen or watch the show. I just refuse to believe it. Ooh, uh, they put oh, up they numbers. Have a, they, they have a crazy they, they fan put base. Up numbers. I just, that is ridic- it's ridiculous to me how Joe Budden has positioned himself as a person with opinions worth hearing when we know that he has abused a woman to the point that she has lost a baby, and no one seems to care. Okay, so Oh, ah, y'all gonna make me. All right, so y'all gonna make me. Defend your man. Defend your man. All right, so th- he's brought this up. He's brought this up. So I honestly like. I honestly don't even like his music takes. Like I just think he's an interesting dude. Like he's probably the only person I follow on Twitter that I feel like I don't need to interact with. I just read his shit when he's tweeting. But so, uh, all right. So it's kind of like the proof is in the pudding. So like. Uh, you're saying these things, and this is not this is just in general, but we have to see what he's done. Like, okay, yeah, he's the weirdo guy, whatever. He talks to people crazy. He's been fired from multiple jobs, but he has turned this podcast into a a million dollar business. Like his opinion is valued. He he kind of does know what he's talking about in regards to like but is his, content- I want to ask you. Is his opinion valued or is it just inflammatory enough to get people roused? Because I see this thing with it's I'm not trying to compare Vince Staples to Joe Budden, uh, but I'm just saying like people tend to like people like Vince Staples because they just say things. And uh, I think Vince Staples differs a little bit to where he just don't care what you think regardless. But as it just makes me wonder, do people care that Joe Budden has an actual opinion or do they just care because they know that Joe Budden is going to say something that's going to end up on the timeline? Which will then fuel another discussion. Well, see, you know, I, I think it's—I yeah. I don't think it's that. I think it's that people pick and choose like the snippets because he—he says that all the time. Like they'll pick like a thirty-second clip without context, and then that'll go viral, and then that'll form people's opinion on that stuff. But he—he he does say some stuff that's pretty pretty insightful. Like I—I I listen to his podcast like for a good bit of time, so he says some insightful stuff. Like I did fall off another podcast. I was trying to get Marcus to listen to a long time ago, and I. Like I stopped listening to Brilliant Idiots like completely. Like I don't listen to that oh, shit at Jesus. all. I don't, I don't oh subscribe, God. but I've seen their live shows. They're cool. It's just like they'll get to talking about like sports and shit, and it's just so bad. I'm just like I can't. But Joe Budden's he's yeah, a the way, the way Red the way Red feels about Joe Budden is how I feel about Charlemagne. Like his his opinion means nothing to me on anything. Oh, this will be a three hour podcast. If like I don't like Joe Budden, but I can genu- I can generally ignore Joe Budden. But Charlemagne is so incredibly stupid. And you know who I dislike more than Charlemagne is DJ Envy. And I hate DJ Envy most because he don't think. He just be talking. And then he'll get all rah-rah when you call him, you know, the light-skinned maven, you know, crybaby Envy. He's like, oh, well, I'm big and bad. But it's like, nigga, Deezus and Mero was in the studio. You wasn't trying to hit like that. So, like, you know what you about. Charlemagne says nothing all day, and people just like that nigga Charlemagne be talking. He wrote a book about nothing. Yeah, Leonardo, so, nothing. <laughs> so I I did buy his book, and it was like oh every, my goodness, it was like every. I don't think I finished it, but like every the whole self health racket, like you, it's literally the same like five or ten concepts. Like it, you're just really just repackaging them. So the Charlemagne thing. So I've I've been to his podcast live, whatever, yada yada yada. He does say a lot of stupid stuff. A lot of stupid stuff, but he he has gems here and there. 
but it wasn't worth the the opportunity cost wasn't there for me anymore with the brilliant idiots shout out to them but it's just for an entertainment purposes and just like learning stuff like i've learned stuff about like podcasting and just like business from joe button like you i'm interested in it so i, I know a little bit more about it but hold to the whole thing about the uh, the assault case and stuff he brought that up and he was saying like hey I guess this is being said out, you know, the narrative is this, but what he's saying, and again, let me make this clear. I'm not defending what or if he was accused of or charged with, but he's saying there's court documents out there that say otherwise. And they're also saying like, they wouldn't let him be out here on this show saying this stuff. If, if it was, they wouldn't have him out here if he was doing all this wild shit, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like he would be getting sued and deposed and all kinds of wild shit. But uh, damn, we went way far down the, Joe Budden podcast matrix. I really just put that in there to tie that into the uh, fifth year anniversary of views. <laughs> sure okay, because I, I didn't know if it was me or if it was someone else. So yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's what I was gonna say. The fifth year anniversary of views. Um, yeah. go ahead. What, what you what, what, what we got on this? Let's let's talk about this views. Let's get let's get some takes off here. I so, somebody asked. It was a classic, and I was like, "A what? No, <laughs> a what? By who? <laughs> a who? Because uh, I don't know. If it's a classic, though. Because if we talk about Drake, we're not talking about classic albums, so that should never Drake be in question. Has one, maybe, maybe, and I'm talking about a very slim chance, two possible classic albums. He has uh, "Take Care," and to me, um, nothing was the same. That's a, that's a thing. That's the thing. It's one of those things where it's like, I think it's a classic, or it might be a classic. Like when people have a classic album, it's a classic. You know. Like there's no question about it. <laughs> and Drake's is always in the question. I just I'm the, I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't even remember what was on views. I'll need to look back through the track list. I remember that he had that uh the song about why you fight with me a cheesecake. I don't even know. Child's play. Child's play. Child's play. Um, which I still listen to pretty often, but I'm just trying to remember what's on views to make is control on view. Views? Yeah, control. Uh, what's it called? One dance with the uh-huh. whiskey. Yeah, uh-huh. um, got feel no ways. Um, faithful's on there. I do listen to that pretty often. Um, fire and desire, which I hear people like, but I don't listen to it often. Hotline bling, which is a shout out to uh, Shelly, formerly known as Drum. Who paved the oh, way for that song? That. And then we're gonna talk about that. When, 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 when we're done talking about views, we're coming back to that. We're coming back to that because I got a problem with that. I I want and I, I think I've talked about this before, but I I need like Uproxx and Complex and the Source and Billboard. I want them to fire their white interns and staff writers because they don't know what they be talking about. Views is not a classic, and if you say it's a classic, it's because you're 19 years old. Views is not a classic guy. It's a it's an okay album. It's a fun album. You can pop on a couple tracks here and there and have fun to them, but Views is not a classic. Well, I would like to say this as the podcast resident uh, Aubrey Angel, as they call me. Um, to me, Views is his worst album. With a couple songs that I really like, but it's it's his worst album. It's definitely not a classic. Like, there is a ton of skippable tracks on this album it's also very long in my opinion too or at least it's very hard to get through i'm just not a fan uh marcus your thoughts 
Um, this, this is one of those albums that just kind of, you could kind of see what he was trying to do. And there was something there to, to be worked with as far as like the mood and the vibe that he was going for. But I've talked about this a million times in this podcast. Like Drake did an interview where he was talking about, is he, I'm pretty sure I'm like 99% sure it was about this album where he was saying like, he wanted to do more melodic songs, more R&B type songs, more, you know, emotional type songs, more of like a, almost like an 808s and Heartbreaks type song or project. But in the back of his mind, he knew that the, that rap Twitter would get on his ass if he didn't have a song like Hype or Western uh, Road Flows or Grammys. He, he knew he needed those rap songs on there. And it just doesn't really fit. And I felt the same thing about Scorpion, where it's just like some of these songs ain't fitting on here. Like you should have just dove into the, you know, dancing type songs, the, the melody type songs, the singing, the vibing, the super melodic songs. Like you should have stayed in that pocket, stayed in that lane, did about eight or 10 of those songs and you'd have been straight. Like you're Drake, dog. Like, does he not know who he is? And this is, before he like ascended into like superstardom like he was already a big star but this album because of hotline bling is really what put him on the map and like you go from you put controller and then follow it up with one dance on an album that is nasty that's nasty to have that type of to have those type of songs to be that good back to back and then they come followed it up with grammys featuring future which is like the worst Drake and uh, Future song that they have. So it's just like that song. The song just wasn't good enough. Pop style without Kanye and Jay Z makes no sense. It should not have been on this project. Get that out of here. And th- and it it also goes back to what Rev was saying about um Joe Budden as far as his his opinion being valued. I think this was the album that kind of put Joe Budden on the map. That kind of got Drake in his feelings because Joe Budden I think hated this album. <laughs> He went off in this album, and that made like Drake decided. Well, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna get on my rap, like whatever. But it's just like we see what Drake is capable of. Drake is supremely talented. We know this, but don't go out here trying to do when you when you go out there and try to do stuff to please someone else, as opposed mm-hmm. to doing what you want to do and what your art tells you to do. You, you lose. You lose. It, no, it doesn't matter how many records this this thing sold doesn't matter how many platinum plaques he has on this you lost because you're not doing what you wanted to do you're doing what someone you're doing what some nigga on the internet wants you to do you're not being true I mean, to yourself that drake you brought up a great point very quickly drake is too established of an artist to still be trying to find find his sound well it's because he's using other people's songs well that's that's true i, I, I <laughs> was about to talk I have a really quick question because I can't remember. Was was Controller a single, like an official single with a music video? I don't think it didn't have a music video. It didn't have a music video. So what I was going to say before my trash ass internet cut out, and it's probably what y'all picked up on is that, I mean, Joe Budden kind of hit a nerve talking about this album. And I agree, like the shit was ass. Like it was a double pack of ass. It wasn't like I'm not running back to this album at all. <laughs> like I feel like it had its high points, but yeah, like you said, it's just 
like you said, do what you want, dog. Like, you rich, you famous, the world is yours, but don't ever put this shit out again. Like, Certified Lover Boy, I'm, I'm already really not feeling the title of the album, but you know what? Do you. But hopefully you put out good work, because, yeah, just rap. Well, like, stop all the singing and crying shit. I no, can, I can no, with that. no, 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 do give me, that. Give me the like, give me Lemon Pepper Freestyle. No, give me one no. for Give me that. Give me, give me 4 p.m. in California. You should no. do what it's give for me in, in New York. Just he don't give me ass. like heartbreak. Right. If he's feeling like heartbreak, break Drake, then be the only thing. My biggest problem with Drake has always been like, been that his albums are not, they don't have a concept. Whether it's a, a full, you know, blown out story like Eliminate to where this is an arc of, you know, infidelity all the way to reconciliation. Allegedly. Or, you know, allegedly. Like a big <laughs> allegedly. allegedly. Or like a, a summertime 06, which is sounds of a specific, a very specific time for this artist's life. Um, there's a ton of albums that have a a rolling undercurrent, and I don't think that Drake has an album that tells a story. I think he has an album of songs that he has tons of albums of songs that he just thought were good and he put them on one project. And that's why you get a project like Views that's like, okay, we've got good songs, but what is this thing you've given us? I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, okay, he's, a, he's, a, he's almost a he's almost a singles artist. Like you can put all his albums on shuffle, and they probably still go the same way. Like it doesn't matter the sequencing and the ordering of these songs. Like the way this album opens up with "Keep the Family Close," nine and you with me. Like you with me is a good song, but just the way it started out, it kind of. I feel like it was supposed to set a tone for how the whole album was supposed to be. And that tone just went completely left. And it just was all over the place. It's like five different types of vibes and sounds on here. And when it comes to Certified Loverboy, what he said about that album was, you know, they're going to hate this album because they hated Views also. Like, if it's going to be like Views, and this Certified Loverboy is going to be a disaster. Because Views was not, Views has very, very high points. And it has some low points, but it's just like there's twenty there was songs. Something there. there are ten good songs on this album. Ten? Is it? Is yeah, there I, ten? I, the family I, yeah. nine. You with me? Feel no ways. Hype. Western Road flows. Redemption. With you. Faithful. Still here. Controller. One dance. Grammys. Child's play. Pop style. Too good. Summer over. Emerald. Fire and desire. Views and hotline bling. Is there ten good songs? I yes. There's definitely there's easily like you go with ten. Um, you, you with, no, you with me? Hi. Let me mute, let me mute my computer flows. so I can try to listen to these real quick. Controller, One Dance. Uh, if you do the original Child's Play, it has to be the original one. Um, Summer's Over, Interlude, Fire, Desire, Views, Hotline Bling. That's 10 songs. I can, you you sure can I do more. You're counting, but you count I, I, I had four or five. This album was too long. It was too long. That was his problem. But like, if he's if if he's going into this project, or is it just like the name? Like, is that really good? I'm gonna run back. I'm gonna run this back because I what what I I don't know. I'm gonna run the whole album back because like I feel like I have a pretty good gauge of shit. Because like I was telling uh, Mr. Savage, I might have said it last week on the podcast, but I ran back. Fucking Astral World the other day because everybody's like, Oh, yeah, it's a great album. Travis Scott is lit, yada, 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 yada. And man, I started getting to like the middle and the end. I'm like, Damn, this shit's still going. Like, how <laughs> well, I never finished Astral. 
I was like, how it many more tracks like- you got on this shit, dog? Because like, after like after like sicko mode and a couple other songs, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good yeah, on this. I never finished. Astro World feels like like two or three very long songs. Yeah, so uh, with with views, I was just like, uh, all right, this Drake, he's got a billion streams on uh, Spotify, but it ain't got they no needed, replay value in my right. They needed they needed to trim some of the fat on this album, and I and I think that's kind of my my issue with uh, Young Money, Cash Money, honestly, because like I feel like Lil Wayne should have been like, hey, hey you want to do this R and B stuff, you need to do this R and B stuff, and just and I'm not saying like just step away from rap completely, but give us your 808s and heartbreak. Do that, and you'll be no. fine. And yeah. we can we can come back no. to rap. <laughs> yes, you can. He can do. And I want the same. Do you think that Drake, in your heart of hearts, is creative and talented enough to do that, or do you think that Drake is old, or just any a complete sound? Do you think that Drake is? Yes. Does he feel like he himself? Is creative enough and artistic that's enough, to <laughs> right? But that's I what I'm asking. I don't know that Drake has the confidence, and that's no no like knock on him. I just don't think that Drake himself has the confidence that he purports to have. Like I don't think that he feels that he is creative and talented enough to put together a cohesive album. So he puts together what works, which we talked about singles. last week before, are singles, and they sound the same. A song about a girl he met at a Hooters or a Texas Roadhouse. Some advice from his mom and his dad in the song. He might have a cute little lovey-dovey song. Then songs about things that he does not do. And he doesn't show away from that formula that often. You're going to get that in every album. So I think if you ever hear this, to know that you have the ability to make a cohesive album. You were Jimmy Graham, okay? <laughs> or Jimmy Brooks, sorry. He just, he just he just needs I mean, to. Jimmy Graham is nice in it too, so <laughs> there's, there's parallels. <laughs> he might Look, be from Canada. Right, I don't know. Right, Degrassi fans. I think he's I think he's talented enough. I, like I don't think I don't know if any artist is talented enough to do Ada Waste and Heartbreaks specifically, but I think he's good enough to make an R and B more melodic, less rapping type of album that sounds good. And I felt the same way when I listened to. I went back and re-listen to Nicki Minaj's second album. And, like, there's a part towards the middle and the end where she's doing, like, EDM music and disco music. And I'm just like, you can't have, like, Bees in the Trap and then Starships on the same album. Just give me an album full of EDM stuff where you're just doing, you know, you can just uh, cater to the white people, cater to, you know, uh, ecstasy and glow stick type music, electronic music. You can do that, and you can dominate that realm and be fine. Like Nicki Minaj could really step, put her foot into that arena and take it to another level. I feel like she could do the same thing that Beyonce could do if Beyonce decided to do country. Like if Nicki Minaj was decided to do EDM music, she would be a top five EDM artist. Just do that. Just do an album of just that and then come back to rap when you're done. Like white people do it all the time. Post Malone does it. Justin Bieber does it. Justin Timberlake does it. You why and can't you know we what? do it? <laughs> that, that's not? interesting you say that. The, you bring up those names. That, that is a smooth transition to uh DJ Khaled's album that I do not care about. Um oh, I was also, oh gonna, my God. I was also <laughs> gonna tie in the fact that you brought up that Drake interview, which for some reason I thought the interview would be a lot bigger than it was the one he did with Rat Radar. Like kind of just for him to be like the the guy in the rap game, like that in, hmm? was it recent? 
It was like a year or two ago. But it's the Drake, on, though. The one on title? Yeah, that was like yeah. two years ago. Yeah, but I, I feel like when it came, it kind of came and went, being that it was Drake. Like, I watched the whole thing. I was like, I feel like this should have been a thing. Like, maybe, like, the, you know, simps don't listen to interviews or podcasts. But um, I did find it interesting. I don't think he said the N-word one time in that podcast. If I, well, if I allowed, he can only say a little bit. He can only say nig or he can say gub, but he can't say nigga because he's not. Yeah, black. Which ties into my main point of DJ Khaled is he used to be yelling the N word out wild brazy on his uh, Ooh, intro buddy. album. Yeah. Ooh, buddy. And he, he stopped that real quick. He did that ancestry.com. was like, oh no, wait Ooh, a second. Miami be confusing the girls. The girls <laughs> from Miami talking about their Afro Latina and they be white. Cubans like all day. 50% Europe. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I can't say this no more, but yeah, I guess he put out another one of his like, compilation albums or whatever they're called. And, and I really am not super interested in any of that shit. Like, I, I've seen a lot of slander on the timeline. Um, it, it Really, the only song I listened to, to be honest, was the Jay-Z and Nas joint just because Joe Budden was talking about it. So I wanted to get some context for her, the song. Um, I kind of agree with what they were saying, but um, I did cut it on going to get some pizza. Um, and the first song I heard was a, a remix of a sample of, was it Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City? Yep. And I was like, what are we doing? What What are we doing here, guys? <laughs> what We can't, nah, y'all need to stop. We can't do that. That that right there already told me all I need to know about this album, and I probably will not listen to any more of it. So, um, for the people that did listen to the album that care, go ahead and give your takes. All right, well, let me go ahead and get mine out because I didn't listen. I thought Beyonce was going to be on a song, and she wasn't, and so I gave up. So <laughs> I didn't listen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was yeah, so literally, literally scrolling through the track list looking for Beyonce, and then I looked on B Legion, which is Beyonce's burner account on Twitter. I was like, where's the song? And then they was like, oh, it says Harmonies by the Hive. And I was like, who? And so I I haven't listened. You know, be, he almost got me. I thought Beyonce was going to be there and she wasn't. I don't care about what DJ Khaled does. She has one little one little line so, on the... Hey. <laughs> she says something and then she dips I out. I said, Beyonce, you, do, you have you completely bamboozled me into listening to this man's album. So no more songs past that. <laughs> I'll give my take on it. Um, I haven't finished the whole thing, but I mean, so far the the Nas and Jay Z song is by far the best song that they have on the album. Um, overall, I think. Well, what did you say? That's a low bar. It, 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 if you finish it, you definitely understand. Um, I think it's time that we we need to pull DJ Khaled out of the game. Like you. Oh, I've seen because I've been in and out of social media, so I've seen uh, the homie PJ from Reduce Lunch make a valid point in saying the fact that you're putting random artists with zero chemistry together. And as I ran through a few songs, like I kind of, I was like, okay, you know what? He's kind of right. Like these people don't go together; they don't belong together. These verses don't always match up. And it's like, to me, every DJ Khaled album is just getting progressively worse. Like, they'll have a couple of nice singles, and then the rest of them are just trash. So far, the Jay-Z and Nas, I mean, they they could be on anybody's album or do anything, and it's going to be buzzworthy because of who they are. 
But outside of that, nothing else really grabs at me. Like it's just, it's a skippable album. Very skippable album. Very low bar. I will not be, I'm going to try to get through it, but I will not be revisiting afterwards because I have better things to do with my time. Well, I I think this is going to be another one of those cases where I am not going to be bullied into disliking something that I did like. Like this isn't, this is, I'm not going to have this slime language two thing where I listened to slime language two and I didn't like it. And I got on Twitter and everybody's like, oh, this album is great. I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, it's not, no, I agree. Not Slime Language Two was not good. Like, I, this is yeah. not that. Like, this I is listened, something completely I, different. I listened to this Khaled album when, I, and off the first listen, I was like, you know, and I, I agree with some of the stuff that that PJ and Adolphus brought up as far as like some of the songs not really matching all together. I, I think the uh, the the collaboration between her and Meek Mill that's a miss. Like, and like Meek, Meek Mill just it's time, dog. Like. It's time for you to transition on to something else because it just if you're just going to continue to do the same thing that you're doing, I'm not going to check in anymore. I can't do it. Like your last album, nobody talks about anything on that album outside of Jay-Z's verse on what's free. That's it. Like you're uh, I don't want to say you're on your way out the door, but it's not looking good. Um I thought the intro was a little too long, and I don't think Jeremiah is a good enough singer to be singing on that type of track. I felt like John Legend would have been a good good addition there like let john legend do that because that's the song he can go off on but like lil wayne he's he sounded good he sounded good uh like these dj Khaled, his albums are kind of like uh what are those things like a uh you know how like you get something from from the year put it in a box like a time capsule that's what dj Khaled's albums are like if you're one of the if you're a relevant artist you end up on a dj Khaled album that year so from what I understand, I don't necessarily agree with it, but Lil Baby has been the hottest, the hottest artist of the last two to three years, along with Megan Thee Stallion. So he has three features on this album. So that kind of lets you know the tone of what music is and to just be like, to say like a DJ Khaled album doesn't matter anymore just kind of seems crazy to me just because that's what it is. It's a showcase of what is going on in music altogether. And there's a couple of like... When I look at looked at the track listing, and I saw uh, her featuring Migos, I was like, I don't know about that one. And I listened to it, and it worked. I was like, I like this. It sounds good. I listened to the Cardi B record. Her like Cardi B rapped so well on that song that I needed to go and check to see if she wrote that. I'm like, who else's who else's name is on the credits for this? Because she was rapping her ass off. She did a great job on that. So like. The only song that I kind of skipped over was the song with just Justin Timberlake, but that's because I don't like him. I don't fuck with him like that. So I'm like, I'm not even going to listen to it because it's just you. But like, there's a couple of retreads as far as like a Big Sean and Rick Ross. Like, I felt like Rick Ross kind of just went through the motions. Um, I thought Post Malone, another artist I don't really fuck with, did really good on the song with him and Megan Thee Stallion. The baby kind of mailed in his verse again. Uh, Pop star, Drake song still goes off like it's still a great song i think drake should try to get so old for his... yeah it is he, he even he even name drops 2020 like that's how old that song is uh obviously the the jay-z and nazi i mean you, you don't need to say too much about that like those two speak for themselves but like it's just this twitter thing where someone gets like the Khaled album 
hadn't it was like nine o'clock in the morning and people were tweeting that the album was trash. I'm like, okay, slow down. Like you can't go that far that quickly with this album with this many features and this type of sound on it to be like, so you're telling me an album with three little baby songs, two Drake songs, a Megan Thee Stallion song, two her songs, uh Post Malone, uh Migos, it's just Rick Ross, Big Sean, Puffy. You're telling me that's trash? Like, you're not going to convince me that an album with those names, Bryson Tiller, that song goes off too. Jay-Z and Nas, you're not going to tell me that an album with those names on it is trash. Knowing what DJ Khaled does, like, we're not looking for super in-depth storytelling sequence. Like, these are just dope songs that he puts on a, on a project to put out there. Like, there's some really good songs on here. There's some songs that I could be like, you know, eh, whatever. But to say it's trash, it's just like, you're just doing that for retweets, honestly. Especially for an album that came out at midnight, and you're telling me, like, you went to bed at a normal time, you woke up at 8.30, listened to it on your phone while you were brushing your teeth, and that's the the conclusion you came with, is that it's trash off of one listen? Nah, man. I mean, like, for me... I definitely get what you're saying, and I'm just going off of first impressions. Like I said, now to be honest with you, I think I've made it to Pop Star, so I'm about halfway through the album, right, right below halfway. And I didn't listen to Pop Star because Pop Star and Grease, I've already heard those before. And I mean, Grease in 2020 was one of my favorite songs by Drake. Like I, I just really like the beat and stuff like that. But it was, it's a lot of disappointment there. Like um, you, you get a track with Cardi B on it, who to me is one of the the hottest artists, you know, and will be one of the the best artists around currently doing her thing. And it was extremely underwhelming to me. Um I did okay. that's unfair, man. That's unfair. I'm a bias. I'm actually tired of Lil Wayne to be honest with you. So as soon as he like, I just I don't like Jeremiah like that. So I'm just automatic. I'll give you the, I'll give you the Lil Wayne thing. I'll give you the Lil Wayne thing. But when we <laughs> think about like where Cardi B has come from as a rapper, like she she's gotten better. She's if if this I, and, is and I'm not saying she hasn't. My issue with it is the production. I, I don't like the beat that she's on. To me, it's it's a and it could be because I mean, of course, you know, I'm on a different type of journey anyway. So the sound of it. Uh, as far as the melody in it is kind of annoying to me. So it, it's it's almost like, uh, you know, scratching a chalkboard or something like that. Like, I, I do not like the sound in that track, and I feel like they could have did her more justice. I mean, I feel like as a performer, Cardi B, she's, she's good. Like, if she comes on, I'm instantly going to be glued to what's going on because I, I want to hear what she's doing. I like the production that she normally has. I just don't like the production on this one. So that's why I kind of gave it a, a little bit of a thumbs down. The little baby tracks. I mean, I've grown to really like little baby a lot. I just didn't necessarily care for him on this album as much. And like I said, once again, it's just, I think I'm getting older now. And the way, if an album is cohesive, if it makes sense, if it goes together, if it is supposed to tell a story, which I understand is DJ Khaled and it's not, then I kind of gravitate more towards that 
But with this, it's like this album just seems like it's all over the place. It's a hundred thousand niggas all over it. And so far, it's just hard to grasp. But since I'm not on social media, I haven't made a public take until now, but I'm just not really feeling it, to be honest. So real quick, I know Marcus tried to come me in the chat talking about like, oh, I'm capping because I don't really mess with DJ Khaled's like albums. Father of a side, name one song off that album. Off the top of my head? Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it off the top of my head. I can okay. look up the track. But uh, top, the track listing, I think there's one that I've heard in the radio, the 30 seconds I happen to have it on there. But like, yeah, like PJ, was, it just be a bunch of songs, dog. Like, I don't. That's what DJ Khaled does. What are we? What were you it's, expecting? Uh, from this? I'm expecting nothing because I didn't ask for this. I didn't even want this. I'm not going to consume it. But I'm just saying, like, question: Do we expect like greatness, like Grammy award winning production and you know concept from DJ Khaled, or do we expect fun? Like, how do we curb our expectations to where when DJ Khaled drops one of these compilation albums? We're just like it, this is a thing that exists where we don't. I, give a, oh, this I, is. Good. I, this is I expect an artist to kind of have a standout moment on a DJ Khaled project. Like I expect, like no matter what the era is that he does this, I feel like if you go through a look through all his albums that he, or all his projects that he put out, the person or the artist with the best song or moment is usually the biggest artist at that time. So for me. Off of this project, I felt like her really stepped it up and really shined, had some shining moments. And she's one of the biggest artists out right now. And I felt the same about Cardi B. Like, I felt like her song and Drake, like Pop Star and uh, Big Paper are really great records. And they're the biggest artists going right now and along with her. So that's what I, that's what I expect from a DJ Khaled project is who is, who is, who are the big stars right now? Okay. Y'all need to shine on these projects. That's what you're supposed to do. When DJ Khaled calls you and he's like, hey, I got a record for you. Well, you need to shine because you're the you're the top dog. So let's show and prove right now. I don't know. I'm looking at these uh, from 2015, 2016. Like, oh, I'm not really seeing it. Um, I guess 2017, Grateful, the big song was uh, Wild Thoughts and Shining yeah. and Beyonce Jay-Z. But, and I said this in the chat, Wild Thoughts is wildly overrated. Like, it's not that great of a song. The, like, the beat, I, the beat. People like, like the Carlos Santana sample. That's what it is. Like, I, yeah, man, get that shit. Okay, but we go. You go to like 20, 2012, The artist at his peak was probably Kanye West, and the song that is on there that's a great song is "I Wish You Would" with Kanye West. And then you also have up and coming artists like Big Sean, uh, J Cole, Big Crit, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Uh, Wale, and you obviously have uh, Ace Hood, who's kind of been with him for the most part. But even like that's like a decade ago. Like I'm I talking about like, the last that's, four that's, years, that's, his songs have the same ten people on there: Chris Brown, no, Jay Z, Baby, 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 Megan Thee Stein. He's putting on the new artists that are all that are coming up. Also, like he okay, has, a, put out he's, ads. he's always going to have like a Rick Ross feature. Like that's a staple. And Ace Hood used to be a staple. I think Future is now becoming a staple, and Drake might be becoming a staple. But he's going to put newer artists on there. Like before, it was like you always had like Lil uh, Ludacris and T Pain, Lil Wayne. But like Pop. some of those artists are fading out. But now, like he's putting on like if you look at that track list, that is a track list of all the relevant artists out right now. All those artists are relevant, except maybe Meek Mill, and that's just me. 
I don't think Meek Mill is relevant. Roddy I don't think Rich that's is relevant. I don't think so. Is who? Roddy Rich. To the kids, he is. I mean, has he put out anything since the box? You have to ask the one. You have to ask someone. No, wait a minute. Roddy Rich guy, Bob's. You listen to Boom Boom Room and uh, Backseat with Ty. Well, not Tyler the Creator. Jesus Christ, Ty Dolla Sign. Like he made Roddy Rich makes good music. That'd <laughs> well, I'm just saying that'd be a sick relevant, Like Justin Bieber is not relevant in my circles. Justin Timberlake is definitely not relevant in my circles. I'm not saying he is isn't relevant, but like. I guess it. I guess it hits for somebody somewhere, but it, it's just not me for here. So if you like it, let us know. If you don't, whatever. I, I, but, I pulled up "Father of Assad" because that's what it is, Assad. <laughs> and this, this, it has no redeemable tracks to me. Like, you know, like I know Fire had a lot of hype because of Nipsey Hussle and John Legend. And it was a bunch of letdowns. <laughs> I'll never run this CD back again. This, it, it was, it was top off with a sod. Top well, off with a banger. Quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a quick tangent. I saw somebody say that Future could do Drunk of Love, but Beyonce couldn't do some other Future song. And I just want to say to all of you, listen to Top. We've already settled who the best rapper here is. Listen to Top Off. Like, Beyonce watched Jay Z and I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not for, talk about it. You you brought now we had talk to go about it. Talk about it. We podcast. I about. am sick and tired of you people out there in the world that Rihanna or Beyonce will rap one time and then oh. it's like, oh my god, no. It's such you, a great job on you, in the club that niggas said no more radio watching me. Absolutely not. Beyonce does not have a big pimping. You know what I'm saying? We're not doing this. She does not have a blueprint. She doesn't have a blueprint. She doesn't have a blueprint. She does not have a reasonable doubt. She does not have a 444. Her husband has that. She doesn't have a volume one, a volume two, a volume three. No, man, no. Beyonce will get on a track, wash her hands. said, on a canopy, my stamina be enough for Pamela Anderson Lee, dog. Come on, now. And Beyonce said, I'm the only lady in the room. We're not doing this. I'm the only lady in the room. nigga in the room. I break the internet. Top ten. I ain't number two. When is Beyonce? Pop off the coop and it looked like freaky in the hood, hollering freaky. She's got to be regretting that bar, though. You got to regret that at some point. <laughs> right, right? I don't forget. I'm like, damn, dog. Hey, stop <laughs> saying that <laughs> shit. Stop saying that shit. But I feel like if Beyonce, like, no, if she put in the work nope. that she put into being an R&B singer, into being a rapper. She would easily be a top five female rapper ever. Okay, to me, that is so disrespectful. Is it's, it's, and you know what? I, I don't expect that from y'all because, Marcus, as hard as you ride for female rappers, for you to say that is disrespectful. Dog, you, have you not She's seen She's not her? a Cardi B. Have, wow, she is already a better rapper than she, Cardi B. She is Stop not that. better than Cardi Stop B that. at all. Stop that. She doesn't have a, a, a Bodak <laughs> yellow. <laughs> she don't have it in the play. If we're doing that. She's not a Queen Latifah. She's yeah. not Meg the Stallion. She has at least... I don't think you heard the beginning of what I said. If Beyonce at the beginning, when she was a child, if she would have focused her energy and talents onto being a rapper as opposed to being an R&B pop star, she would already be a top five female rapper right now. And I don't think that's I don't think that's deniable at this point. 
when you think of like all the work and talent that she puts in to being what she is now, and you're telling me if she channeled that energy and focused that energy into rapping, you're telling me she couldn't be the queen of rap? Because I do. I wouldn't doubt it for one second. Okay, well, if Jay-Z would have focused more effort not being a rapper, he'd be a rap, a drug kingpin who lost those 92 bricks. Like, what are we, what are we saying? Is, you know what I'm saying? No, deep in the drug game and still lost 92 bricks. So That's look. crazy Alleged. to me, man. That's crazy. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. In it and still made a mistake. So. You know, we're not, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to make a note for that because I do want to get into that one. Because I, hey, I keep hearing that shit like. Hey, uh, Reed, Reed ain't letting that shit slide. <laughs> Reed ain't letting you lose 92 bricks on his watch. <laughs> and I'm sorry, this is a snowball spoiler. He said, Then the nigga pops up in Cuba, like, what's good? <laughs> like, what's good, my nigga? You know what time it is. Also, I'm like, damn, dog. <laughs> I'm like, I hope you got a good night's nice rest. Tucker Carlson, who is the actor for uh, Teddy, I think that's his first and last name, is like, and not in anything else that's remarkable. Like, he is. Teddy, that's it. That's that's, that's who he you is, is my dog. So good at being Teddy that I'm honestly afraid of this young man. I mean, we talked about this last week when a character plays a character so well, like that's who they are. Like, uh, fucking Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. I don't care what other movies he's in; he is Iron Man now. Like, I don't make the rules, dog. <laughs> but oh, actually, perfect transition. So I saw a terrible t- tweet that some website put out. Um, we've all seen the uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, correct? Yup. Okay. So, and I'm kind of sick, and we need to hold Marvel accountable for this, but the tweet that I saw was that the goal with uh, MAGA Johnny Walker was to make him a likable character by the end of the series to, I guess, I'm guessing for him to be a possible star in a bigger movie or maybe another series or something major in the MCU, like the, what is it, the Secret Avengers, the Dark Avengers, whatever he's supposed to be in. And after I found out he was the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, I'm like, damn, he might be an industry plan now. Because, like, he he didn't look like, he just, like I said, when I first saw the picture of him in the Captain America suit, I thought that was a picture from the Insurrection. Like, I thought that was, like, one of those white nationalists, like, dressed up in cosplay. He he does not look like he fits on the screen. But he has that lineage, so now he's going to be a big part of the MCU, I guess, at some point. If that was their goal to make him likable, which they did not do. Like, he literally chopped somebody's in half with the Captain America shield, and then two episodes later, he's now an anti-hero. Like, y'all didn't give us enough time for that to materialize. It was just like an on switch. Yep. U.S. agent. Yeah. I'm back. I didn't go to jail for murdering somebody on TV. White privilege. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Marvel, you ought to be yeah, ashamed. I, um, I, I will say, um, I don't know about him being an industry plant, but I do think that it's, it's, it's very easy to kind of get into a franchise like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first time I saw, I think his name is Wyatt Russell. Um, he's either Wyatt or Hyatt, one of those two. But the first time I saw him was Wyatt in a Black episode, Wyatt. I saw him in a Black Mirror episode of uh, Playtest, which uh, frightened me to the point of not watching Black Mirror for about two and a half years. Yes. Um, Where's Black Mirror at? They need to come back. No, I don't want that. <laughs> I need a break. Yeah, Playtest play test is a pretty uh, heavy episode. I, I literally had to stop. Was not um, expecting all that. <laughs> which one was the that? The episode called Playtest. Um, but he's like, he's get like these things. He's basically in a video game, and then it kind of un- he spirals out of control from there. But 
uh, it's it's in the creepiest way that like literally made me turn off the TV and be like, I'm not watching this. Actually, I'm, let me look this up now because I don't remember that one. Hold on. Um, but if their goal, the problem that I have with Marvel's TV shows, and me and Marcus talked about this a little bit on Twitter, is that, and my friends and I have talked about this at at nauseum. Um, Marvel treats their television shows like movies, and not like television shows. So movies, you have a complete arc. And, you know, it kind of has a uh, some type of resolution by the end. It could go into a sequel. But if the movie doesn't go into a sequel, at least the first, that one movie that you've watched has no loose ends or shouldn't have any loose ends by the time you get to the end. With TV shows, sometimes the goal is to continue to make more. Like, I just feel like Marvel treats everything like a movie. And so they don't quite think about the landscape of a TV show. Six episodes was not enough to complete whatever arc they were trying to make for John Walker, whatever arc they were trying to make for Bucky and, and Sam. Like it, it, by the time you get to the midpoint of the sixth episode, you're so exhausted because they tried to tie up every single plot point in the first 35 minutes. And then the next 35 minutes or so, or, you know, 20 minutes or so is just this weird mashup of like what they think the ending should be instead of giving the, uh, giving the, the the actors or the characters enough time to breathe. Episode six, I did not enjoy. Um, I wish that they maybe would have done six, or done maybe like two or three episodes, but I did not enjoy six. And I'm, I'm going to take a page from Marcus, but you're not going to bully me into thinking it was a good episode. It wasn't. Was it an episode that ends the series or at least the season? Sure. But episode six was fast paced to the point where it was like, well, what am I watching this for? I watched five episodes of this. And now you come and bring the storyline to a crashing halt. We watched John Walker kill a man on video. He went to one trial. They was like, all right, my nigga, just stop being Captain America, I guess. Then we get to episode six. And here he is working alongside Sam and Bucky. When did this nigga become cool? He just killed a guy. Carly spent all this time trying to preach a message. And then here comes Sharon. Popping her, she's dead. And then all of a sudden, Sharon's not the good guy that we thought she was, even though she's supposed to have been blipped and gone for five years. She's back eight months later and running a criminal empire. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what is this? What? This doesn't make people, any sense, guys. People have to hold Marvel accountable for what they're doing on TV. They are great at making movies. They are not good at making TV shows right now. They've made average TV shows at best. Like, you look at Disney+, Plus. The best show they have is The Mandalorian. And they haven't put anything out that has been close to season one of The Mandalorian. And you're Marvel. You have all the money in the world. Do a better job. And, like, the whole <clears throat> John Walker thing, there's no reason for you to try to make this character likable. Like, when I read that, I was kind of like, I guess I didn't comprehend it all the way. I read it as, in the show they were going to attempt to make John Walker likable. And I thought that that would have been a good way to go with him. Like even like after he did the thing or after he murdered the guy on TV, I feel like if, if the people in the TV show, like if the government was like, Hey, we don't have any other options for Captain America. Like this guy, like we can, let's try to spin this. Let's try to get him back into America's good graces. Let's try to spin this in a way where it's like, okay, what did, what did the guy, the guy that he killed, what has he done? What it, let's go dig through his past and try to find something that we can blow up so people will not feel bad about him getting murdered. That's something that people would enjoy as a TV show. 
and that would kind of put a little bit more layers on the racial uh, injustice element that the show was trying to push out out there. And if you if you try to make him likable in the show, the fans will not like him. But that will make us want to watch even more and keep us engaged. Don't try to make us as the fans, as the viewing audience, try to like this character. He's not likable. And when you force us to like him, we're not going to like him. Like it's it's shouldn't be this hard for them. It really and shouldn't. Like, why did Johnny Walker need to be likable? Like truly, why did he, other than at least the first part of his story, which was he's the new the cat. Beginning. Like you said, they're desperate for a new cat. They're, yes, they're desperate for a new symbol of American hope. So yes, the guy taking over Steve Rogers' mantle should be likable. But then we see John, what was, I hope, supposed to be a slow descent for John Walker into villain territory. Once he makes it there, there's no need, we don't need to like John. Why do we need to like another person when we already have our two protagonists? We already have Sam and Bucky. What do we need to like John Walker for? What does no that reason. mean? No, no because, they, yeah, they need it because they're going to put him in another movie or show. He's going to be a character moving forward. They so can't. I guess- you He's can't make him a hero, like right? So yes, the Thunderbolts are like a, a a Dark Avenger almost. They're not the Dark Avengers, but they're just like a, a task force. Yeah. Still, if this is a task force made up of, of Zemo, who we like, I mean, Zemo's cool. There's some rationale behind the things he does, but nobody's like, oh, Zemo's just this great heroic guy. If he's supposed to team up with a guy like Zemo, there needs to be a certain sense of like, eh, I, I can take or leave Johnny Walker. But to try to make us be like, oh, this guy, we got compassion for this guy who lost his friend and wanted to take the suit. Like, we don't need to have compassion for Johnny Walker if he's going to be part of the Thunderbolts. We already have the start, the begin, the makings of our Avengers. We have Sam. We have Bucky. We have a Spectrum or a Photon. Like, we have these Spider-Man these that we're making into the guys that we love. So we don't also need Johnny Walker to love because he's not on that side. I think it would be cool to see, like, behind the machine. Like, when someone of that caliber of a John John Walker fucks up big time, and you can see behind the scenes where they're just like, hey, man, things ain't looking good for you, but we're going, like, kind of like uh, like an episode of Scandal where someone does something really fucked up, but then Olivia Pope is right there to try to, like, and that's what uh, the other character could have been, the the, the girl with the, the purple hair from Seinfeld. She could have been the person working behind the scenes or the power broker trying to make it to where, like, hey, we need the general public to like John Walker as Captain America. Let's try to maybe um, create an event where he has to show up and be a hero. Let's try to make them forget about him killing a guy. Let's force a terrorist attack. And we're going to have a strategically placed camera to help, you know, the, the John Walker look like a hero and get that stain out of his off his uh, record. Like it's that Mysterio. would have been interesting to see. It's like Mysterio, but a much more carefully crafted plan. I just I don't understand why we as the fans needed to like John Walker. I think I we needed to want to see more of John Walker. That I understand, wanting to see him again. But I don't think we necessarily needed to like him. There's no reason to like him. We've spent three or four episodes showing us every reason why we shouldn't like him. I mean, it's in the dialogue why we shouldn't like him. The, um, Lamar sat there and said, "If you take the super soldier, it doesn't super soldier serum. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you more of who you are." And so we watched John Walker take the serum, become 
a d-hole and then they're like oh well let's make this guy likable in the last episode it's like why we don't need that and this was the thing that i didn't really care for if you're going to try to make him a likable character was when he went to lamar's family and they asked him was the person he killed the person that killed lamar and he lied and said yes so now I'm left with this stain of you lying to black people too. Like, I'm like, how am I supposed to like you? I agree with you guys' points. Like to me, it, it was, it was very much too soon for me to care for him. It needed to be some sort of a manufactured event or make it seem like there's a real reason. Like, to be honest with you, I don't even really care as much about the U S agent character. Like, to be in some sort of a standalone series or something like that. Maybe if they stretch this series out or add season two, and then he's not a focal point, but gets a little bit of time to redeem himself. Cause even in the last battle, he didn't do, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of saved the truck from flipping over. Um, but you know, did he do enough to redeem himself from killing somebody on all over social media like no if i did that and then i come and help 10 kids am i a superhero now like it, it doesn't make sense so i but then i kind of feel like if you're thinking about an anti-hero and i go back to um the ultimate anti-hero which this might be over a lot of people's head but it's gonna be stone cold steve austin and he was if you think about it such a bad guy but because you can relate to him, you cheered for him. And it's like with John Walker, we can't relate to him. And I'm speaking from a black person perspective, but just people in general, because you committed a crime, you got away with it. And now we're supposed to just forgive you. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. And it's sort of tone deaf, to be honest with you. I just think if they wanted us to like John Walker, they should have done a better job of putting some reasoning behind his actions. Um, you look at, a if we're going to keep in Marvel properties, but different companies, this is Fox. But Deadpool, he was, you know, the merc with the, with the mouth. He was mercenary. He was, you know, killing and threatening. But he did it because he, you know, had a genuine heart for people at the underneath all his exteriors. You don't get that from John Walker. He just seems like a pretentious guy who is the ultimate patriot and wants to show it and is, you know, deep down underneath all of that, an awful guy. Like there's no redeeming quality about John Walker. So like you said, I don't really care what they do with him from here on out. Like I'd prefer it if we never saw him again, it probably won't be the case, but if their, their goal was to make him some likable character that we want to see in future seasons, they, they failed at it to me and for me. Yeah, <clears throat> hopefully he gets killed by the next big bad in a dramatic fashion. Uh, real quick, did y'all see the uh, quick taste on the, uh, this, we talked about this before, but the Dexter uh, mini limited series season? I still need to watch it. So, okay, real quick, my advice to you, watch the first four seasons and don't watch the rest of it. Dolphus, uh, are you interested in the uh, Dexter mini series they're about to put out? No, it ended so bad that it left a bad. Yeah, well, that, yeah, it's, yeah. Don't we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> it's probably like one of the worst endings of a TV show of all time. Marcus, are you in, intrigued? Are you interested? I'm gonna need to this. I'm gonna let Twitter tell me if I should watch it. I think that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. No, I'm gonna watch it. 
I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like for the first like four seasons, probably like one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. And then it uh, spiraled for the worst. Uh, Quick takes on Mortal Kombat. I know we briefly talked about it last week. I hadn't watched it at the time. Ass. That's all I got. Marcus, what do you got? Uh, I saw a YouTube video that's like 16 minutes long. It's every fight scene. You could have said, I, I, if you if you would have told me you were going to watch the movie, I'd have just sent you that way because that's all you needed to see. <laughs> the, fight the fights weren't even that good. The, uh, fights dope. the fights were dope. I like the fights. I like the fatalities. I thought it was I looked cool, but everything else was just horny as fuck. Rev, what did you think about the movie? It makes me just wonder where they're missing the mark on this because the story is awful. Like, I, story's the awful. The casting was awful. The script is awful. The costumes are awful. Everything I, was. Bad. I think Louis Tan is a a beautiful man, but I don't want to see him in this role anymore. It was so boring. Like all the, I just I said this to earlier on Twitter. Like I think I maybe would have enjoyed it more in the theater, but then other people were like, "Would you really have gone to see it in the theater?" And like honestly, I would have had to be extremely bored to be to go see it in the theater. No, uh, why wasn't much better? I just it the story sucked. The fight scenes were cool. I think this is supposed to be part of a, a trilogy, so it's supposed oh, to be a pre-match, oh. post, a pre, during, and post-match. And I just think if this was going to be like a pre-match type thing, then I would have loved to see this focus more on early Scorpion, like carry out the rest of that story. Yeah. And then we meet these characters in a separate movie, and then we move into Mortal Kombat, into the third movie. This movie was just, it was weirdly paced, and I i mean, I'd watch it again if it was randomly on TV, but I'm not going to look for this. Yeah, they said the guy, the, the guy that played Sub-Zero, they said he's already, they said he already signed on to do four movies. Like, if this one is successful, he has already signed on to do four more, and I'm telling him, Make sure your agent is still working because they're not making four more of these movies. There's no yeah. chance. There are people, like one more. There, there are people on my timeline talking about this movie like it's the fucking Avengers. They want like five to six more movies of this shit. I'm like, what are y'all seeing that I'm not seeing? Because I feel like Mortal Kombat is one of those. It's like if you, if someone gave you a gift card to go to a restaurant you've never been before, and you try the food, the food is okay. But food always tastes better when you don't have to pay for it. Like, it tastes fine, but then at the end of the day, you're like, if I'd had to pay for that, I'd have been kind of pissed. And that's what Mortal Kombat is. Mortal Kombat was on HBO Max for free. You got to watch it. Whatever. Like, it's fine for free, but like Rev was saying, no one is getting in their car, driving to the movie theater, possibly ordering food, popcorn, or whatever, and sitting in the theater to watch that. I'm not risked I'm not risking getting shot by some mass shooter to go see Mortal Kombat in theaters. I'm not doing it. Not for that movie. No. Black Widow, so, yes. Mortal Kombat, no. So, uh, I'm going to slide some anime in here. The Demon Jesus Slayer Christ. movie. Oh. Infinite, Demon Slayer is actually... I, actually, Marcus, I told you to watch that. Like, I like I will, I will. told you I will never speak of Naruto again if you watch Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer is really... Huh? How many episodes is it? 26. Okay. The, the animation is really cool. But anyways, they have a movie that's pretty much the whole second season, a second arc. Uh, in Japan, in December, in comparison to Mortal Kombat, grossed $305 million. God damn. It is the highest selling movie in Japan right now in J- Japanese history. So an anime movie, and even in the United States, it sold, shit, I think 
five million less than uh, Mortal Kombat. So yeah, that movie's trash. Like that's all I can say. Like that. I just feel like it was. It felt like fan fiction in a way. Like somebody was like, "I didn't really like the original Mortal Kombat. So how would I make this better?" And it just feels like something that would have been in like Ao3 or like a Reddit thread. I don't know. It didn't seem like it seemed like they put a lot more stock into how the fighting scenes will look and not the actual story. And now we got to get this half baked story that is just like, why? Why should I care? Yeah, he was like he was like Black Panther. Like you hit him and he absorbed energy. He killed Goro in like thirty five seconds. I'm like, after I seen that shit, I'm like, bro, come on, man. What what are we doing? Like, they one the, of the last bosses in the game gets murked by a dude with no powers and they're like, stop. And I'm like, I'm watching Makai Brooks who plays Jax. I'm watching him, and all I can hear is his line and the fall from grace and him in that awful wig. It's just like I can't, I can't pay attention to this movie. This is not great, guys. Yeah, that they ought to be ashamed of that of themselves. That like I said, Demon Slayer made two million dollars less than Mortal Kombat. So yeah, they should just literally re- remade the old one, and it probably been better. But anywho. I think the yeah, like no, uh, real quick, yeah, the whole the whole Easter egg shit was corny, man. Like, oh, flawless victory, fatality, out of here, dog. That's mad corny, super corny, super corny. Like, mm. oh, shit, sing something. That makes it so difficult to to adapt because this isn't the first Mortal Kombat movie that's been. You have the blueprint. Like Why? they had they had the answers in front of them and they still <laughs> fucked up. It's like, oh, uh when Kang Lao got killed, oh, you hear that yelling? Saying song's about to take his soul. Ah, He's like, about to get his soul sucked. I was yeah, like, that's gonna be I was like, that's gonna man. be a meme. What that's gonna doing? be a meme immediately. I knew I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, that's a meme. That's a meme. And, and people really like Kano's character. I'm like, that's mad low bar. Like that could have been Conor McGregor. Like he really wasn't doing anything. Like he, <laughs> he, cussed, he was foul. He was Irish or Australian. They're doing they're doing this whole like Johnny Cage thing at the end, like it's like Thor at the end Johnny of a movie. <laughs> like who the That's fuck not is selling no tickets? I don't care about Johnny Cage, man. I saw that post and I'm like, this ain't gonna. I'm. Yeah, I don't know. Man, the, I don't know about this one. Straight to DVD <laughs> if they still did that. That's where. That's where those movies. Should, we need to bring back straight to DVD. Not even. <laughs> not even regular <laughs> DVD. It's like in the bargain. <laughs> even if we don't do DVDs no more, these would be like a section of Netflix straight to DVD. Like, exactly. don't watch this shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. I need that, to. I, 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 if if we're done ta- if we're done trashing Mortal Kombat, I need to put my Drake hate hat on real quick. I have a big issue with Drake that is kind of like resurfaced with the five year anniversary of views and culminating with the release of um, Shelly FKA Tram's new album that came out that is actually really good that people should listen to. Uh, Drake did an interview on uh, with Fader about the issue with, with Hotline Bling and Cha-Cha and basically how he stole that. And that's kind of what I was referring to when you talked about what happened with a uh, dude from Falcon's Twitter that got his shit jacked by a bigger uh, platform. Yeah. So they asked Drake about this in the interview. And this is, and I don't know what it is about Drake's interviews, but they just don't go anywhere. Even when he says stuff, people don't seem to care. 
That's what so I'm saying with the podcast. Like, yeah, that, I that, that would have been the biggest thing ever. It's like Drake is talking at his house. Nope, nobody cares. Nobody cares. So he was speaking to Fader, and they were talking about, like, the idea of, like, you know, Hotline Bling. Is this, like, a ripoff of uh, the cha-cha? Like, what, what's going on here? So he says, and I quote, you know, like in Jamaica, you'll have a rhythm, R-I-D-D-I-U-M, and it's like everyone has to do a song on that, Drake said. Imagine that in rap or imagine that in R&B. Imagine if we got one beat and every single person, me, this guy, this guy, all these guys had to do a song on that one beat. So sometimes I'll pick a beat that's a bit like sunnier, I guess is the word you use, than usual. And I just tried my hand at it. And that's kind of what Hotline Bling was. And I loved it. It's cool. I've been excited by that sort of creative process. My issue with that, Drake. At the time that you did this, you were one of the biggest stars in the world. You were Drake. You had you had multiple platinum plaques, uh, commercially successful albums. You had a Grammy at that time, I believe. You're the biggest artist in the world. Drum was literally nobody just coming up, trying to get on. And he was just like becoming somewhat relevant. And then you come and shit on his whole life with Hotline Bling, which became the biggest song in America, in the world almost, that single-handedly pushed views to a level of album sales that it wouldn't have gotten to without that song. It's just ridiculous that he's able to do this and people do not call him out on this. And his and the Arby's Angels ignore this type of stuff where it's like, you don't see Beyonce hearing what someone like, does anybody know who Tiana Major 9 is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, but I mean, she's a pretty small artist. Imagine if Beyonce did something like that to that type of artist and Beyonce becomes or has another platinum selling single and Tiana Major has to pretty much change her whole style because she can no longer do that because a bigger star took her sound. And my issue with Drake is that he feels like he can just make up the rules as he goes to to benefit him. He did the same thing with the Pusha T beef where he was like, well, I just felt like Pusha took it a little too far and that's not the rules in rap beef. I'm like, nigga, are you new here? Maybe not in Canada, but in the in the United States of America, when it's rap beef, ain't no, ain't no holds barred, especially when you said that man's wife's name. At that point, the gloves is off, dog. Don't be talking about like, oh, well, you can't say that kind of stuff about my friend. You can't say that kind of stuff about my child. No, nigga, this is what it is. You don't make the rules. And as a bigger artist, you cannot go down and try to take from another smaller artist, take their whole style and sound and profit off of it. You can't do that and not get called out for it. It's different when you do something like uh, um, Nice For What, where he sampled like a City Girls bar, right? Mm -hmm. He mentioned them in the song and he had them in the video and they did a remix to the song that they were on. So the remix didn't do much, but he tried in that area. With this, it was just blatant theft, and he almost ruined this guy's career. And this guy is super talented. The album that he put out is really good, and it's like one of those R&B albums where it's like an R&B artist singing over R&B music, not over trap beats, not over heavy 808s. He's not doing that sing-song rapping type I'm going to fuck your girl type music. Like there's a couple songs where it's like, you know, infidelity type stuff, but it's like legitimate R&B on there. And it's really good. And Drake almost ruined this guy's career for a single. And it's embarrassing. And Drake needs to answer for that kind of stuff. 
Well, two things. I heard about that album on the Joe Budden podcast. <laughs> and uh, so to be fair, to be fair, before we wrap up, uh, the whole thing, like with the whole Jamaican thing. So like my wife is Jamaican and they he said they, rhythm. So they do be stealing music over there. But to be fair, I don't think they know. Right. So like we'd be in the car and a song would come on. She's like, oh, I thought this was a Jamaican song. I'm like. No, this is not a Jamaican song. Y'all just stole it and put some different I music on it. Bob. <laughs> so yeah, so Drake knows better than that. They the you know the good people's out of Jamaica shout out to Joey Khaleesi and them. They don't know. Like that's that's fair. Drake, you're too big to be doing that dumb shit. And uh kind of tying back to DJ Khaled uh, with another one. Apparently there is a uh, multiple people have been shot in a casino near a hotel in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So Aaron Rodgers is uh, destroying. <laughs> he's like, get, he's he's like, get me out of here by any means necessary. It don't matter. He is causing care. destruction in Wisconsin. So uh, yeah, that man said I'm accurate. I'm deadly accurate with this thing, dog. You could do like an NFL draft on the shootings in the United States within the last month. Like you could probably rank and rate them. Like what was the number I mean, one draft they started over? passing out the pokey puck medicines and everybody was like, oh yeah, let's get back to normal and start running into the mall. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with y'all? What is wrong? I stay in the house. Like I use, hey, I don't need that. Hey, America's like, back. Back to doing what we do best. Shooting innocent people in the middle of Walmart. It's ridiculous. <sighs> I, just don't like, I just don't like how he just speaks. Like, I'm obviously, I'm not Jamaican, so I don't know if I'm out of line for saying this, but I just don't feel like he should be able to speak about what it's like in Jamaica. We have a rhythm. Like, nigga, hey, no. Man, hey, man. Champagne ring bells in the streets of Jamaica, dog. Nah. <laughs> it's like, you ever met a person that is very desperate to fit into some circle? Like, they don't know what circle. They just want to be part of a circle. So Drake has been Jamaican. Drake has leaned very in, uh, very heavily into Toronto. Right now, Drake is, Drake is English. So he's hanging around with Daniel Kaluuya and Damson Idris and Giggs. Uh, did you like, see that picture? I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> you, I've never like, seen that man smile that hard. I've he's never seen him so smile like that. I didn't hear Brub and in it in a conversation. Like, mm-hmm. you can't. Wait to take this link. Oh no! It's certified lover boy is gonna have all the innits and bruvs. Hey, bruv. And him. Man's in them having a, a, a bowl of beans for breakfast. Oh my goodness! So <laughs> like, sick. that's why it goes back to the earlier conversation. It's like, what does Drake believe himself to be? Does Drake think that he is capable of just being Aubrey? I don't know. There, there is nothing Aubrey can do to get himself into the dark skin society. Um, but yes, uh, that is a KTSE podcast. Drake is a thief and uh, he doesn't know who he is. Like, you have to know yourself, like he said on his album, which he does not. Uh, check us out on Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, subscribe. I think we're probably going to do a majority of next week's episode on a recap of Invincible. Let us know if you watch that and you want to hear that. Um, yeah, check us out. We out. Drake is Jamaican, British, African, Canadian, Haitian, Jap- damn, Japanese, and Chinese. That's wild. <laughs> all the continents in Africa and all the continents in Asia and whatever else Raven Simone foolishly said on TV one time. <laughs> Drake, please, Drake, please do not discover anime. That's all I ask. Please, mm. please, do <laughs> please, please, please do not ruin this for us. 2022. 
We out. Read Jujutsu Kaisen. Watch Demon Slayer. Peace.